Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. Well, we are moving forward in 2023. That is our theme in January. We are looking at going forward in our daily walk. And so that is going to bring us to a familiar passage to many of you, and that is Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. So would you turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews chapter number 12, and we'll stand in a few moments for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter number 12. As I mentioned to some of you, I do have a surgery tomorrow. I am going for outpatient surgery to Boston Medical Center just to get uh, some of this excess skin removed, some of those dead skin cells that have been causing me some problems from my surgery. They've been getting infected several times over, and so the best course of action seems to be just to remove that completely. So uh, that'll be happening on Monday, uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock, so I appreciate your prayers about that, but I'm looking forward to being back on Wednesday. But going along with all of that in the surgery, I'm actually, believe it or not, going through my second round now of physical therapy. I went back to physical therapy on Wednesday, and uh, the reason was because I've had stress injuries in both of my legs that have caused it to be difficult to walk for a little bit, although not badly, but it was a difficulty. But more of the difficulty was in running, that I had run for several years, and then because of the fibula being taken out of my left leg, and then running, and then it didn't like me running, I guess, without a fibula. I don't know exactly, but I do know this. I had to go back to physical therapy, and I had to find out if I'm doing something wrong. Am I, am I doing something that is preventing me from running the way that I want to run? And so uh, after going through about 45 minutes of, you know, push this, pull this, stand up, stand on one leg, stand on both legs, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, say your alphabet backwards. I felt like I'd doing all kinds of stuff uh, at physical therapy, but going through all of that, finally, the therapist that I've had now for several sessions of physical therapy uh, and lymphedema therapy, helping get some of the swelling out of my face, uh, this woman said to me, all right, now I want you to get on the treadmill and I want you to run. Now, I haven't run at all for six months. This is the first time I've even been on a treadmill in six months. And so I did, and I ran at a very slow pace for about three minutes. And she said, all right, uh, you can go ahead and stop. And she says, I can already identify a couple different problems with what you're doing now, which could cause problems. Uh, one is the fact that you're kind of running and you're kind of straight up and you need to be leaning forward a little bit, kind of leaning into the run a little bit. She goes, secondly, you're landing on your heels when you're running. You need to be landing on the middle of your foot or on the ball of your foot, uh, but you keep landing on your heels and you'll get shin splints. And I said, I, I know I've had shin splints. And she says, I know you have. That's why you're here. That's why I'm telling you, uh, you need to stop landing on your heels. And so it's amazing to me within three minutes, she told me of things that I am doing wrong with my form and was trying to help me correct uh, those things that I've done wrong. Now, I say this here today not because I want to explain to you the details of me going through physical therapy because, well, you don't want to hear about it. I don't want to do it, but that's just kind of the way that it is. Uh, what I'm saying is I believe there's actually a spiritual connection uh, between me having to understand the right way to run and for us in understanding the right way to run, not in a physical race, but in this spiritual race in which God has put us. And so when we think of the race that God has called us to run, we consider that there are some who just aren't able to move ahead in their daily walk. And I believe the reason for that is found right here in our text in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, and I would ask you this this morning, 
maybe you would say, I just don't feel like I'm getting ahead in my spiritual life. I feel like I'm, I'm treading water. I feel like I'm supposed to be going forward, but I'm not. And I want to ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud, but answer it in your heart. Aren't you kind of tired of that? Aren't you tired of spinning your wheels spiritually? Don't you get tired of your walk producing desire to serve God, but not the actual service to God that he desires? And I believe if that's your heart this morning, there's hope for us in Hebrews chapter 12. Hope for us as we move forward in our Christian race. And a, a message that I've entitled this, What's Holding You Back? What's holding you back? Would you stand, please, Hebrews chapter 12, and we're just going to read the first three verses. The word says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He gave himself. That's what I see right there. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your own minds. Thank you for listening to the word of God, and you may be seated. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Quite interesting that that phrase there is not that ye we be wearied and faint in your bodies, but rather that you be faint, <laughs> let's try it again, uh, faint and weary in your minds. And for some here, this morning, maybe that's your testimony, that when it comes to running the Christian race, uh, you are faint and you are weary in your minds. Well, the good news is there's hope for us here in Hebrews chapter 12. Hope for us to understand what's holding us back from running the Christian race that God has called us to run. Uh, you know, the Christian life is a race, but I've found that many people don't treat it like it's such. In, in fact, I was just reading this from the commentator William Barclay, and he said this about the Christian life. He said, the Christian is not an unconcerned stroller along the byways of life. He is a wayfarer on the high road. He is not a tourist who returns each night to the place from which he starts. He is a pilgrim who is forever on the way. The goal is nothing less than the likeness of Christ. The Christian's life is going somewhere. And it would do well if at the day's ending, we were to ask ourselves, Am I any further on? That as we realize we're not just tourists on the highways and byways of life, but we're pilgrims, that this world's on our home. We're just passing through. But as we go on the Christian walk every single day, as we run the Christian race, we ask ourselves, am I any further on today uh, than I was yesterday? Have I moved ahead? And this is really what our theme forward is all about this year. Am I any further on? Am I any further on this month than I was last month? Am I any further on this week than I was last week? Am I any further on today than I was yesterday? Think of the distance that we could go for God if we just went a little further every day. I remember a man told me once many years ago, he says, son, he says, you can get far on earth, or you can walk around the world, rather, he says, if you take your time. And as a 16-year-old, I thought, that's one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. That doesn't even make any sense. And the older I get, I realize what he was trying to say. Listen, uh, just take a little bit at a time, and you'll get where 
God's trying to get you to go. And if we could just say every day, not that we're going to necessarily hit a home run for Christ that day, but are you willing to move forward from today to tomorrow and from tomorrow to the next day? Imagine a year. Imagine 10 years. Imagine 20 years. If we just looked back and saw that we went forward for God a little bit each day, how much could we do for his cause? But this Christian life is a race. But like my bad running form hinders me from running physically like I want to, bad running form in the Christian life can do exactly the same. Now, thankfully, the text that we just read gives us a warning of bad form, but it also gives us a diagram of the right form. So it tells us this is the wrong form in running the Christian race, and then it says this, then you have the right form in running the Christian race. So we need to look at both of those this morning to make sure we're running in our daily walk like uh, we should. But I would say this before we even begin. Uh, you can't run the Christian race today without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can't go on a journey for Christ without knowing the Christ of the journey. And before you go on any journey beyond the cross, you must take a journey to the cross and kneel there, submitting yourself to Jesus Christ, realizing that only He can save you from your sins. So my appeal to you this morning, before we even go any further, is if you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you were to die today and you don't know that when you open your eyes after you died, and yes, I said that correctly. I say a lot of things incorrectly, but I said that correctly. When you open your eyes after you die, uh, will you be in an eternal lake of fire? Will you be in heaven uh, forever with Jesus Christ? If you don't know where you would spend eternity, friend, listen, I don't care if I miss lunch. I don't care if I miss dinner. I don't care if I miss a meal. That's saying a lot. I don't care if I miss a meal. I want to know that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior before you leave today. Do not let embarrassment, do not let uh, a delay of time, uh, do not let the fact that you have the rest of your life to figure this out get in the way of deciding today. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. If you don't know him, you need to repent of your sins and call upon him today uh, while you have the opportunity. And so I'd encourage you to do that today. But before we consider that, but we also realize that for those of us who are saved, we've got to run this Christian race. And so we have to diagnose the bad form that we have in running this race. And in fact, it tells us this, the writer of Hebrews says in verse number one, it says, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. So we see right from the get-go, Right from the jump, we realize this. If we're to run the race that God wants us to run, that's the end of verse number one, there's some things we have to lay aside. There's some things we must forsake if we're to run the race that God wants us to run. There's some things that will tank our ability to run. There's some things, could we put it this way, that'll hobble us if we're trying to run the Christian race if we incorporate them into our lives. And there's some things we have to lay aside. And he gives us to them, he gives these to us here in our text, says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. I actually want to start with the second in that list here, just briefly, that there's some sin that we have to lay aside. You say, well, uh, pastor, if I'm saved, uh, then I don't have to deal with sin anymore. And, and the answer to that is, well, certainly we don't have to deal with the eternal repercussions of our sin because we have been forgiven of our sin. We are justified uh, in the eyes of Jesus Christ. But you don't have to walk long on this earth to realize that after you get saved, your old flesh still wants to do wrong. And your old flesh is still trying to rise up and trying to do things that, that the Holy Spirit inside of you is telling you not to do. And so 
the writer of Hebrews, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes it so clear to us this morning that if we're to run the race that God wants us to run, uh, we must lay aside sin. It's as Paul said in Romans chapter 6, twice over. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Don't keep doing it. Just stop. It's not helping you. It's only hindering you uh, on the race. Uh, to sin literally means, the definition of sin literally means to miss the mark. We sin when we miss the benchmark of God's holiness as described to us in His holy word. We sin when we miss the benchmark of God's holiness as described to us in God's holy word. Hey, you can't run races your own way. You realize that this morning. You can't run races your own way. We have some in this assembly, who, not myself, who have run not just races, but there's these kind of crazy races. They're called like Spartan races or mud runs or different things. And you, you know what? You don't just run because that's, that's easy enough, right? Anybody can do that apparently. But you had to go through mud pits and climb ladders. I've seen ones where you have to belly crawl and there's like electrical fences. If you know, if you go a little bit too high and it shocks you and all that. I mean, it sounds like a great way to waste 50 bucks to me. You know, I don't know. I can't. I don't know, but there are people who have done it, and, and I, I can see the appeal somewhere. But imagine running one of these races and coming up to the next obstacle and saying this, eh, I don't think so. And so you run around it, and you go to the next obstacle, and you say, <laughs> uh, mud <laughs> on these brand new running shoes? I don't think so. And you run around that, and then you see this ladder that you have to go up. It's about 10 feet tall. You think, I'm afraid of heights. I guess I'm going to skip that too. And you get all the way to the end, but because you skipped all the obstacles, you're actually in first place. And you beat everyone else to the end of the course. And you celebrate and you're expecting them to put uh, the medal around your neck. And they just look at you and they say this, you're disqualified. Well, I was first. Well, you may have been first, but you didn't run the race the right way. Uh, no, you may have thought that you had come ahead, but you didn't run the race as prescribed in the rule book. Do you realize there are people here today who believe they're living in first place because they have a big bank account, because they have a nice job, because they're popular, because everyone seems to love them, because they have power and authority, and they feel like they're in first place. But what they will realize is this, that if you don't follow the rule book that God has, and I'm not talking about trying to live a good life to be saved. You can't live a good life enough to be saved. But I'm talking about in this race, this Christian race that God has called us to run, uh, it's not those who have the biggest churches. It's not those who necessarily uh, have the outward conformity that everyone thinks that they should have. But it's those who have run the race that God has called them to run. They've laid aside the sin. If God says it's sin, I'm laying it aside. Those are the ones who are running the race properly. You know, many Christians have made their own hybrid version of Christianity. Using their own opinions and their own specific needs. Well, I see what the Bible says, but in my situation, boy, when you keep, you get yourself into a dangerous territory right there. You know what you're doing? You're picking up sin instead of laying it aside. And it's going to harm you as you run the race. You can tailor a suit. You can trick out an automobile. You can custom design a ring, but you can't custom design your Christianity. If God says lay it aside, we lay it aside. If God says don't do it, we don't do it. It doesn't matter what your opinion is on it. And by the way, it doesn't matter what my opinion is on it. It's what God's opinion is on it. And we do it and we lay aside the sin that does. And it doesn't just say lay aside the sin. It says lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us. Meaning this, that each of us are tempted by different sins 
that happen to arouse our flesh differently than other people. What may be a temptation for you may not be a temptation for someone else. Now, it's still sin for everyone because if God says it's sin, it's sin. But God will tempt me with different sin than he will tempt you very often. Why is that? Because uh, he understands to easily beset. Uh, there, it mean, the word beset means this, to press on all sides as to perplex, to entangle, so as to render escape difficult or impossible, that there are certain sins in our lives that, that oh, Satan loves to tempt us with. And what does he say? You better beset those. You better get rid of those. Listen, some are easily beset by foul language. It's just the way they've always talked. And it just seems to come so easily when they get into a difficult situation. You had to lay that aside. Some are easily beset by pornography. Uh, it's something that they looked at when they were younger and it was something they struggled with. Or it's something that has come into, by the way, not just for men, but for women as well. The statistics show that it's something uh, that is a, a epidemic in our nation for both men and women. Uh, there are some who are easily beset by that. There are some who are easily beset by bitterness. Oh, sure, they don't show anything on the outside, but on the inside, they're bitter and they're angry at situations in life. Uh, there are some who are beset, uh, easily beset by alcohol or substances where, where some uh, may not have any uh, difficulty uh, saying no to those things. For others, it's a great difficulty because of their last their, their uh, life decisions. Uh, there are some who are beset, easily beset by hypocrisy, showing outward conformity to the things of Christ while having little spiritual desire on the inside. All of those are sins that we must forsake if we're going to run the race God wants us to call, what God wants us to run. Will you forsake the sin that's bad form? You can't run the race with that sin. But not just that, it said in verse number one, not just the sin, but lay aside every weight. Now I've explained this before, this isn't new, but I felt just so impressioned by the Lord to be able to present this to the whole body here this morning on a Sunday morning. But, but the weights are not sin. If the weights were sin, we wouldn't have the word sin following behind it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's obvious because they're two different things named, they're two different things. I would submit to you this, that the weights are not sin, but they are inconveniences on the race course. They are not sin, but they are inconveniences on the race course of life. They are not violations of the rule book, but they are things that if you incorporate into your race, will not have you run the way that you should. Back in 2011, there was a firefighter named James Gefke of Glendale, Wisconsin. He finished 115th in the, or he finished the 115th Boston Marathon uh, while wearing 30 pounds of firefighting gear. Think about that. He finished in four hours, 18 minutes, and 29 seconds. And I would say, man, I'd like to wear that if it made me run at that speed. But he could actually run much faster. He did it for, it was only two minutes slower than the median marathon time for men that year. But he completed this extraordinary effort as a tribute to his colleague, John Harrington, who was killed in a crash while biking to a station house in May 2004. And he ran to raise money for the Wisconsin Burn Survivors Network. See, for James Gefke, he ran the race for a cause. He wasn't running to win. I would say James Gefke would probably say this, if he was running to win, he wouldn't have been carrying 30 pounds of firefighting equipment on his back. You know what he had? He had some weights. He was carrying some weights that would have slowed him down. 
And for us, if you're going to run the Christian race, and listen, this isn't popular when it comes to churches today. And so what I understand what I'm about to say, uh, there are some that, that may not like what, it, what, what you hear, but I want to encourage you, don't listen to me. Listen to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God as He speaks to you this morning. But there are some things that are not inherently sinful uh, that the Word of God does not forbid us to do, but it's just not appropriate in certain situations for a Christian to do because it hinders our ability to run the race that God wants us to run. It hinders the ability for us to be able to share the gospel with other people. It hinders our ability to be able to minister to our family the way that we should. And they're not sinful. Pastor, show me in the Bible where it's wrong. I can't. But I would tell you this, in your situation, in your life, you would even know and you would even admit, you know what? This is kind of getting in the way between my relationship with the Lord and I'm not running the race the way God would want me to run. Maybe you need to check your gear this morning to see what's slowing you down. Maybe you need to strip down those things that don't belong in the Christian race. The things that are holding you back, they're not the sin, but they're the weights. And the list is different for everybody. The list is different for us all. Could I give you some examples? It could be the news. For some, the news is a weight. The news in general, just knowing what's going on. I'm not saying you shouldn't be informed about what's going on in the world. But in the 24-hour news cycle, some of us try to consume 23 of the 24 hours of it. That could be a weight. News in general, politics specifically. I'm afraid there are more believers today who are more concerned about being a conservative than they are about being a Christian. And listen, I, I'm conservative because of what the Bible says. You say, Pastor, you're preaching on politics. No, 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 I'm, I'm not preaching on politics. In fact, quite the opposite. What I'm saying is this. I get my stances in life, not from a political party, but from the Word of God. Political parties shift. In fact, they're great at doing that. You know what doesn't shift? The Word of God. <laughs> That's always been the same. And so maybe for you, the weight is getting into the politics and, and following that and, and, and going, what's going on? Listen, I, I mean, 17 votes, 1,000 votes. I don't know how many times they voted for speaker. I was intrigued too. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what was going on. Uh, they didn't know what was going on, from quite honestly. But, you know, we can get so involved in these things, it, it can be a weight. And it may not be for some people. You might just read about it in the morning, and you don't even think about it the rest of the day. For some, it's a weight. It could be a civics group or a club. It could be a Facebook group, or it could be Facebook in general. It could be a social media account, because social media can be a snare for me. Oh, pastor, you're saying nobody should be on social media. I'm on social media. The church is on social media. That's not what I'm saying. But for some people who are glued to social media, it's a weight. Or you're getting into things on social media that you know you're not supposed to. It's a vehicle maybe for you to look at things or to consume things you know you're not. It's a weight. Well, you can't say I can't have it. Well, maybe you just don't need to have it. Maybe it's just inconvenient on your race that God's called you to run. Could be hobbies that have turned into obsessions. It could be money. Oh, pastor, there's nothing wrong with money. Well, Inherently, money's not sinful. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. I hear that quoted. The Bible says the money is the root of all evil. Well, no, it's not. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. What, what is it saying? When it becomes a weight instead of a tool. When it becomes a weight instead of a tool. Then we've missed the mark. What's happened? We're running with bad form. We've got sin. Well, Pastor, I, I don't like you talking about sin. I don't like you talking about the weights. Well, listen, 
you're not going to do better until you realize where you're going wrong. I've been running for five years. I don't want some woman that I barely know to tell me I'm not running right. I'm running fine. That's why I've had shin splints twice and plantar fasciitis and why uh, I'm seeing the physical therapist for the second time in a year and a half. I'm doing fine. You say, Pastor, you're not getting it. Do you know how many Christians I've met? Pastor, I'm doing fine. Well, here's what the word says. I'm doing fine. But, but, but you asked me for help, and I'm just telling you what the word of God. Well, I wanted help, but that's not what I want to do, and I'm doing fine. You're not moving ahead in your daily walk. You're going behind. Don't say that you're a follower of Christ and then, and then turn around and deny every single thing that he says to do just because it's inconvenient to the race you want to run. I would ask you this, in that condition, who's God? Because if God says this and you say, I want to do something else, well, who's the highest authority? And listen, this steps on my toes too this morning, so don't think I'm getting on to you because every finger I got pointed at you, I've got three pointed back at me. But let's just be real. If we want revival, if we want to get right with God, we got to get real with ourselves. And we got to realize there's some things in the race that we don't want to discuss. There's some things we don't even want the Holy Spirit to talk to us about. We, they're closed doors that aren't for him to talk about. Listen, I'm already going to church. I'm already doing better than I used to. How much more do I have to give up? How many more things do I have to do? I'm tired of the whole mess. Look, I'll be a Christian, sure. But I mean, there has to be a time where I, I mean, how much more does he want me to give up? Well, he wants us to forsake all and follow him. And by forsaking all, we gain all. He who saves his life shall lose it. Loses life for my sake shall save it. But here, here's the problem. Simply knowing you're running incorrectly doesn't really help you, does it? It's important. It's important. But it's not everything. Because if someone just tells you, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you walk out and say, oh, I'm doing wrong. But you don't know how to do right. <laughs> can I be honest with you? Sometimes maybe going to a Baptist church can feel like that, at least in the general Baptist circles. I'm doing wrong, I'm doing wrong. Oh, okay, well, I guess I'm just doing wrong. And you walk out of here and you think, oh, I'm already doing wrong anyway, so I might as well just keep doing wrong. But you know, running the race properly means you correct the bad form, but then you replace it with good form. I'm hoping after the first session where I was just told how bad of a wicked, rotten sinner runner I am, <laughs> that she'll explain to me how to do it right. So see, it's not like she, I saw her on Wednesday and I ran Friday. I know I can't run until I do it the right way. Okay, I did something wrong, but then I could replace it with something else that's wrong. So we see there's a wrong way to run, but there also has to be a way to run with the right form. So physically for me, it means having someone who knows what they're doing, correcting the flaws and replacing them with correct behaviors. I need to see someone who knows how to run and have them teach me how to run. I'm not very good at golf. I want to play golf this year. I really do. Brother Sam's begging me to, to play golf uh, this year. Not lately, I don't know, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how the, the year goes. But I'm self-taught, which means I can't just learn, unlearn all the things I've been doing wrong. Then I got to learn how to do it right, because just because I switch to something else, 
I could switch to something else that's just as wrong. Instead of slicing 30 yards one direction, I could hook 40 yards the other. And so I've got to replace it with something that's right. So in the Christian life, it's not just, hey, pastor, you know, this pastor, he's always down on us. He's just telling us all the stuff that's wrong. He says, God bless you and leave. And don't forget your tithe on the way out. I mean, what's, what's all that about? What's, what's all that about? This guy doesn't even get it. Look, you realize I'm in the same boat as everyone in this room? We're all there. But it's not just about what we're doing wrong. It's about what to do right. You know, I just wonder, as a Christian, who, who could point out to us the wrong way, the wrong ways in our life, and who could show us an example of the perfect form of living? If only there was someone who could show us what's wrong in our life and show us the perfect form. I wish there is. And it's in our text. Go to verse 2. Looking unto pastor. Everyone should say, thank, thank the Lord, no. Yeah, God forbids even better. Looking unto my spouse. Looking unto the televangelist. Looking unto my favorite online preacher. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of my faith. The author and the finisher. That means he's the creator and the completer of our faith. He's the example of faith and he's the executor of faith. He is the one that we are to look to. If we're to run the race that God wants us to run, we are to look to Jesus as the author and the finishers our faith. And if you aren't sure why, here are his credentials, who for the joy that was set before him, he was joyful to go to the cross, not joyful for the pain, not joyful for the suffering, joyful that you and I could be reconciled with the Father once again. And so because of that, even though he sweat, Great drops of blood there in the garden. There was still a joy deep down within his soul, knowing that when his mission was completed, once he died and was buried and rose again and applied his blood at the mercy seat in heaven and sat down at the right hand of God the Father, that you and I had the ability to be reconciled with him. That's his credentials. And we look unto him as the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. How do I run right? Look to Jesus. And you'll know how to run right. Look to him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. That, that phrase there, despising the shame, means he had no regard for the fact that the process of his death was humiliating and degrading. Despise the shame. I, he says this, I care not for the shame. It doesn't even move me. I'm afraid for us as believers, a lot of times the shame that comes with publicly being called a Christian, keeps our Bibles closed. It keeps the tracks in the pocket or in the purse. It keeps us from claiming the name of Christ. It keeps us from telling someone to please stop saying the name of my God in the way that you're saying it. And I'm not saying to be haughty, and I'm not saying to be unkind, because we need to be careful about that. But sometimes we're so concerned about what other people think that we forget, here's Jesus Christ. He despised the shame. He he. he he literally cared not for the shame. It didn't move him. He was going to that cross. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself that the creator was put to death by his creation. What a contradiction of sinners. And yet he did it gladly. What's the right form? Well, consider him. 
Consider him in your daily walk. There's a saying in the 90s. It was, it was so trite, and to be honest with you, it was said so often, it lost any and all meaning. But what would Jesus do? You remember that? It was on bracelets and clothing and all, all kinds of things. It was, on, it was on pogs, if you remember those from the 90s. Um, anyone? No? Nobody. Okay, good. Uh, but it was on all these things from the 90s. It was very popular. Uh, it, what would Jesus do? And it became so, listen, when pop culture takes over something like that, you know, probably not going in a great direction. But I will say this, the thought is true. Consider him. What would Jesus do? You know what that is? Consider him. How often do you consider him during your day? Someone said something to me I didn't like. Well, what would Jesus do? I was angry at somebody for what they did to me. What would Jesus do? How often do we truly consider him? Well, what, 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 what would being like Jesus look like? You know what's wonderful about that? Brother Rick just read that for us a few minutes ago. Philippians chapter 2. Who, though he's in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and being obedient unto death, went to the death of the cross. I love when the Bible gives us an assignment. It tells us how to complete the assignment. Consider him. Well, how? Well, here's what he is like. It's the right form. It's the way to run. Listen. If, if you're thinking like I am, if you're thinking like I am, first of all, you're thinking you're hungry. But secondly, if you're thinking like I am, you're thinking this. Who can do this? Like, who, who could even do this? You, you pastor, you, you could do it? I don't feel like I can, not like I should. Who can do this? But again, when the Bible gives us an assignment, it always gives us the ability and the guidance to complete that assignment. And it's actually at the beginning of chapter 12. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now stop right there. I, I skipped that before on purpose. Here, here's a little help when you're doing your Bible reading and you're trying to study. When you see a wherefore or a therefore in the Bible, you want to check what's before to see what it's there for or wherefore. So that wherefore means there's a conversation that's just happened. Wherefore, here's what I want you to glean from that conversation. And so we just kind of jumped into the middle of a greater conversation. Chapter 12 starts, wherefore? Okay, so there was something that was discussed in chapter 11 that would help me to be able to fulfill that which is talked about in chapter number 12. What could it possibly be? Well, will you remember that in Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, we find that there's a great listing of Old Testament saints who had faith in God. Wherefore, seeing as we have a compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Well, what are those witnesses? Who are those witnesses? Well, there was Abel who had a faithful sacrifice. There was Enoch who walked with God and was translated. There was Noah who built an ark. There was Abraham who followed as God led. There was Sarah who came to believe that which was impossible. There was Isaac uh, who saw the future. And there was Jacob who knew that God would fulfill his promises. There was Joseph who bones were rested in Canaan. Uh, there was Amram and Jochebed who put Moses in 
in a vessel to save his life when babies were being murdered by Pharaoh. There was Moses himself who forsook Egypt for the Israelites. There was Joshua whose faith brought down the walls of Jericho. Rahab who cast her lot with the Israelites. There was Gideon who waxed mighty in war. And Barak who subdued kingdoms. And Samson who from weakness was made strong. And Jephthah who defeated armies. And David who obtained promises. And each and every one of those are witnesses of God. Imagine this, uh, seated in a courtroom, not just witnesses as in they were just on the sidelines, just watching us run the race. I think sometimes that's the way that it's preached. They're witnesses. They're just cheering us on. They're in the crowd. They're at the finish line, just up in heaven going, Woo! go ahead, you can do it. We're proud of you. No, that's, David's not up there in heaven just watching us saying, keep going. Turn that TV off. Turn that TV off. David's not doing that. I, I promise you. Uh, but here's what I believe. There's a great cloud of witnesses who were saying, we couldn't do it either. We had no way to run the life that God wanted us to run. We were weak. We were feeble. Abraham, David, Jacob. These are people who had no business being in the faith hall of fame. But yet, they believed God. And it was counted for them for righteousness. And they stand as witnesses, not in judgment of us, but in a courtroom saying, if we could do it, you could do it. To me, that's a whole lot better than Abraham saying, go read your Bible, go, go read your Bible. It's them literally being witnesses in heaven saying, God helped us and he'll help you. Pastor, we can't do it today. And maybe you've been saying this. When it comes to walking my Christian life, I don't see it. I don't see it. You don't know my past. You don't know the sins that doth so easily beset me. You don't know the things I struggle with, the things that tempt me. You don't know. And yes, I'm a believer, but I have so much trouble with my flesh and I want to do so much for God. I want to move forward this year. I'm encouraged by the theme. I know I want to move forward, but I just don't, I don't see it. I don't know how it can happen. Can I leave you with Hebrews chapter 11, verse one? But faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Don't see it? That's good. That's the first step of faith. God, I can't run this Christian race, but neither could David, neither could Abraham. Neither could Jacob, neither could Amram and Jochebed or Rahab or Joshua or Barak or Samson. But yet by faith, they stand as witnesses saying, we could do it with God's help and you can too. Are you willing to forsake the weights and the sin and follow the perfect running form of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org, or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in His Word.